Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash stuff today for details. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. This is Chuck. Nothing. I'm here. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Chuck is here. I wanted to not. keep it everyone in suspense. Yeah. Is Chuck here? Yeah. That? Well, all we needed were the violins. Right. Um, Chuck, you watch Criminal Minds? I don't. Do you watch uh, Private Practice? I don't. Uh, biggest Loser? No. <laughs> what about, okay, this is the f- uh, fourth and last network. What about uh, Till Death? I never even heard of it. Okay. I watch comedies. I watch cartoons. Well, Till Death is a comedy. But oh, sorry. Had you watched any of these shows, had you been a big fan, on Wednesday, September 24th, you would have been very upset. Because they were all preempted, I bet. They were all preempted. Already, you're well aware that the, the economy is uh, in the toilet. It is. It's heading and that way. All you do, all you want to do is sit back and watch your favorite celebrities lose weight or watch Brad Garrett, you know, um, tussle verbally with his wife or, right. you know, whatever private practice does. I'm not, I'm not fully aware. Right. Um, Practicing private things. Like exactly. Uh, you, you want to, you want to escape through these. And all of a sudden, here's George Bush laying it out there. This is a president who's avoided using the word recession in public. And all of a sudden, he's basically uh, white-knuckling right. the podium with the presidential seal in front, right. saying, we're all going to die. Maybe he just wanted to skip straight to depression just for kicks. <laughs> I guess, you know. Avoid recession. Avoid recession, go right to depression. Uh, I don't know that he used the word depression. No, of course not. But he might, he may as well have. Right. It, it was bad. He said, uh, our, our entire economy is in danger. It was one quote from that very, um, you know, Great address, unusual, rare. Right. He doesn't usually do this kind of thing. Right. I think he should have followed that sentence up immediately with, with good luck to whoever's coming next. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So long and good luck or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of a big deal. And I think Bush addressing on a Thursday for no other reason than to tell Americans that the economy is in danger, it, it kind of really made it a, a bigger point. Um, and the reason he went on was because he was trying to uh, garner public opinion for exactly. the Paulson plan, right? The, also known as the seven hundred billion dollar bailout. Yeah, aka just the bailout. I think people are calling it bailouts. Yeah, that's exactly. a word on the street. It is, and it's not hyphenated for our listeners. It's not two words. It's one word. This is this is AP right here. Okay, not us. Um, so he's on there. He's talking about the bailout. Why would he care? Why would he care what Americans think? I'll tell you why, Chuck. You didn't even let me answer, but yeah, sure. <laughs> He's, uh, he has, um, earlier that week, it looked like Congress was going to pass it. Everybody was patting one another yeah. on the back for We're, bipartisanship. Uh-huh. You, you remember? Oh, yeah. It looked House, rosy. Senate, uh, Democrat, Republican. The leaders are saying, We're passing this, right? Yeah. And uh, it starts to go into the House, and uh, they bring it to a vote. And all of a sudden, these uh, rank-and-file Republicans stage this revolt. And they're like, hey, how about this? We've got another plan, and it's nothing like yours. Right. So ultimately, the House uh, defeats the bill. Sure. 228 to 205? Something like that. Yeah. I think it was exactly that. You were really good. It's right here in front of me. A memory like a bear (laughs) trap there, Chuck. Um, 
Okay, so the House defeats the bill. It looks like it's sunk. There's people, you know, screaming in terror, dogs and cats living together, right. mass hysteria, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and Bush has already played his one ace in the hole by addressing the, the nation. The only thing next he could do would right. be like to uh, kneecap somebody, maybe a figure skater on public television to get our attention. Right. Uh, who would do that, though? I don't know. Terrible, terrible. So it looks like the bill's defeated, and all of a sudden, here comes the Senate. Right, on the white horse. Exactly. Now, the House is usually kind of the the, the congressional body that's known for shouting down things and you know right. trying things on the sly. And the Senate's supposed to be wise and sedate and calm. Right. And all of a sudden, they're taking up a failed House bill, basically, right. sweetening it. Like they attached a, a very popular mental health bill. Did you know that uh, now uh, health care providers have to treat mental health like they treat uh, physical maladies? Well, that's good. Yeah, it is good, which is one of the reasons why they put it in this bill so right. it would pass. There's also a lot of pork in there, though. I never there complained. is. Manufacturers of uh, wooden arrows that I think Boy yeah. Scouts favor right. get some subsidies out of that. Yeah. Um, and then there's the extension of expiring tax breaks for uh, the wealthy. Right. Although there's also some tax relief for the middle class, new tax relief in there. Right. And I know they one important thing they did was raise the FDIC's uh, insurance coverage for uh, people's banks' accounts. Yeah, which is huge because banks like Wachovia and Washington Mutual are going under. Right. And, I mean, these are neighborhood branch commercial banks where you keep your money. And all of a sudden, oh, wait, uh, the bank's front door is locked. And right. it's, you know, 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. I was one of them. Really? Not one of the banks, but I, one of those institutions. I'm not going to divulge too much. But, yeah. Yeah. I was That's worried good. there for a little while. That's good. Well, I'm not going to name uh, my bank either, but I'm very confident in it. Recently purchased Countrywide, um, among other things. So I'm feeling pretty good about my bank. Let Which me, is your ma- under your Sorry. mattress? Let me knock on wood there. Yeah. I don't want to tempt the gods. Uh, so, okay, the Senate takes up the bill, and they add the sweeteners, and they cough up Senate Amendment 5685, which is the Paulson plan with the mental health bill, the FDIC uh, increase. Paulson and plan plus is what I like to call it. That's a great name for yeah, it. You should have called it that. This is the same day. They passed it the same day that they took this up, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Congress never acts this fast. No. Even more amazing, two days later, the House gets it that day. They pass it. I think they passed it at like 1230, and they started deliberating on it at 10 in the morning. They right. passed it two and a half hours later. Yeah, I wondered when it happened, if um, no one really knows this probably, but if it was the sweeteners actually, or if the House kind of ended up with some egg on their face with the first vote and realized that everyone was really freaked out by the fact that they defeated it. Well, I think, uh, number one, I think Bush's address actually did have a real impact. I watched a lot of CNN. I actually watched CNN live as the House was voting on this um, this amendment. And um, there were a lot of uh, congressmen who, or congresspeople, who said that they switched their vote because the calls that they were getting from their office changed from... You know, I don't like this bailout package to you've got to vote for this bailout package. Right. And that actually changed votes. And you can probably directly link that to Bush, you know, looking very tired and haggard and scared on, sure. you know, Wednesday, September 24th. Right. So I think that's one of the reasons yeah. why the House actually passed. You know, my uncle's a former congressman. I, I should give him a call and see what he thinks about the whole thing. Where is he from? Yeah, he was a congressman in Tennessee, two, two or three terms, I think. That's great. Yeah. Good for him. Okay, so... 
it passes, right? Right. And it, it's actually no longer a seven hundred billion dollar bailout. The the bailout seven hundred billion, but this bill actually hiked it up to an eight hundred and ten billion dollar bill. Did you know that? You know, I didn't know that. All that all that what's additional an extra sweeteners and hundred and ten billion. Yeah. Like it matters. Right. And the weird thing is is taxes these days you, you you don't you don't really feel a pinch. Like you think about the government shelling out seven hundred billion dollars how 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 are we going to feel that pinch? Right. And you know, actually, for every American, that's uh, I think twenty three hundred dollars a person. Really, for every American taxpayer non. So we're going to feel a pinch somewhere. Right. Or are we? Let's get into this bill, Chuck. Okay. Let's, let's do get it. into the meat of it. Let's do it. So you want to you want to lead off with what are some of the things that are inside? I see by you bearing your teeth. Are you are you cool? Well, no, I know that it's uh, that one of the things they signed off on was an immediate three hundred and fifty billion. They kind of did it in stages, which yeah. I'm not a I'm no economist, but it seems to be kind of the smarter way to go. Yeah. Uh, three hundred and fifty billion up front and taxpayer money. And then uh, the new newly created Office of Financial Stability, which we hope it ends up living up to its name. Yeah. Uh, another three hundred and fifty. I'm sorry. Another hundred billion after that, mm-hmm. and then another two fifty after that. But uh, both of those need approval by Congress. Yeah, and I think the the first one, the hundred billion, has to get approval from the House, and the second two hundred and fifty billion. Uh, is uh, is contingent upon Senate approval, I think. But either way, yeah, Congress has to approve these, and they have to. They'll approve them if this whole thing's working. Right. I don't see them saying no, though. No, I don't either. I mean, I think in for three hundred and fifty billion, and in for three hundred and fifty billion. You know? Right. Plus, it would be it would kind of be a sign that hey, we did the wrong thing yeah. by allowing this first three hundred and fifty billion. So I don't think they would do that either. Yeah, I agree. Time will tell. I agree. So, um, like you said, it, this this uh, bill establishes a brand new office. We're going to have a brand new office, right? Uh, like you said, the Office of Financial Stability, and this is led by the uh, Treasury Secretary, not well, necessarily Henry Paulson, but whoever right. is the. Well, the they Treasury just named uh, actually yesterday the new bailout chief. Oh, really? Who? Yeah, you don't even know this. No, this breaking is news. Breaking news here. Yeah, his name is Neil uh, Kashkarai. And uh, this guy is 35 years old. Holy cow. Yeah. And he's going to be in charge of doling out the cash. He's overseeing the Office of Financial Stability. He was uh, previously a uh, vice president at Goldman Sachs. And before his career in finance, he uh, developed technology for NASA space missions. So this guy was clearly doing things in college that I wasn't doing. Yeah. At 35, that's not a very long existence on the planet. No, he seems to be a sharp guy. Okay, so we have a uh, brand new czar of economic stability, I guess. Yep, fresh fresh meat. And what what this, oh, I'll bet you he ages 20 years over the next six months. Yeah, yeah. Um, So basically what this guy's going to be in charge of, essentially, uh, is buying up terrible investments that, that, you know, banks and uh, investment banks and and, uh, other kinds of firms have on their hands. What a weird job. It is a weird job. It's never been done before as far as I know. Uh, Basically, there's certain types of investments that can be bought, and all of them are related to mortgages. You've got like mortgage-backed securities. Um, I think collateral debt obligations would be purchased under this, and mortgages themselves, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Because this is actually one way that it could directly benefit a homeowner. One of the provisions in this act is that when this guy, what's his name again? 
Uh, Neil Kashkari, or Kashkari, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Let's call him Kashkari. Okay. When Kashkari is negotiating with uh, these investment banks and other people to purchase their bad securities, um, he's going to try to force down their throat restructuring of, of the mortgages. Right, the Hope for Homeowners Act. Yeah. Okay. Now, the big problem with that, and what it is, is it, it's, it's basically uh, congressional support for restructuring loans, sure. knocking down the principal, which is pretty radical. Yeah, yeah. You borrow 400000 for a house, you can't afford it, and all of a sudden, oh, we're just going to pretend like you only borrowed 200000 yeah. That's huge. The thing is, is it's it's a it's a voluntary program. I think you probably get like you know tax rebates or write offs right, if you're incentives. a company or a lender that engages in this. Um, but you can't force anybody to do it. Right. If the U.S. government actually owns your mortgage, chances are they're going to be very hesitant about foreclosing on you. Oh yeah. Number one, that's just a huge pain. Right. But number two, um, they actually have a vested interest then. To keep you in your house. Right. Okay? The reason being, the if they can stem the tide of foreclosures, then the market starts to come back up, and these mortgage-backed securities and mortgages sure. themselves increase in value. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're worth more, and the plan works. Right. So if, if the government buys your mortgage, you should probably thank your lucky stars. Right. Then this is all this is all theoretical. Right. None of it's been put into practice yet. Right. Which is, I think, why a lot of people are kind of nervous about this bailout, right? Right. I know I am. Uh, I do know that, that foreclosure is actually, nobody wins in foreclosure. It's not like, because uh, I, I did some research, actually I wrote an article on it last year, and it's not like banks foreclose on people and they're just, yeah. we kick you out of the house. Banks lose money, too. Sure. Uh, but, you know, like uh, we've mentioned before, the mortgage-backed securities, sometimes the banks don't even own that house. They turn around and sell it. To securities and it gets fractured off, and so maybe that's kind of where the problem started. Well, you know who does win in a foreclosure? Per- someone who's renting right now. Right. If you are a renter and you don't buy in this in this climate, you're uh, you're a total sucker. Yeah, it's probably a good time to buy. Huh? Oh, it's an excellent time to buy. It's like a fire sale out there. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Right. Get your act together, buddy. Get in a house. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, so uh, that's not the only thing that this this uh, Kashkari is going to be doing. This guy's got a lot of responsibility. I'm not sure he's, he knows what he's getting into. And frankly, I have to say, I find it a little fishy that Henry Paulson is uh, one of the uh, a former high level executive at Goldman Sachs, and he taps this guy from Goldman Sachs. Yeah, and you could say, well, he knows him. He's worked with them. He ha- he right. respects him. But I believe yeah, he I already don't know that. In- I I like <laughs> one investment bank being so entrenched in this bailout. Actually, I think he actually worked in the office in the Treasury office. Uh, he was previously with Goldman Sachs, but you know, I know what you mean. I got gotcha. you. Okay. His, his influence is he like Paulson's protege or something? I don't know. Maybe Kashkari. Yeah. Okay, so there's other things that Kashkari is going to be in charge of, like um, <clears throat> when when the government purchases three hundred million dollars or more of bad investments from a, a lender, whoever, um, they're automatically they automatically take a warrant in your company, right? This is a non-voting block of shares, just common stock shares, right? Right. And this is actually really ingenious, Chuck. You want to tell everybody why? Well, I don't know why. Let me tell you <laughs> why, all right? You're, you're the econ master. This is straight from Kashkari to me to you, okay? Uh, actually, that's not true at all. We should probably cut that part out. <laughs> the reason why it's such an ingenious uh, uh, provision 
is because no one has any idea how how to value these mortgage-backed securities. Right. Uh, I read an article with a guy who who is like this expert at valuing a stock that you found in like your grandfather's closet from 1923 or something. Uh-huh. This guy could value it. This guy and everyone else is totally lost at at properly valuing mortgage-backed securities and CDOs and, and just all these other bad investments, right? So whatever the government so whatever price the government sets to buy these at, it could be way too low. Right. So if you are a company selling this to the government and you end up experiencing a windfall profit from the sale, which you're not supposed to be, the government's covered on the backside because they own shares in your exactly. company now. Right. So if you ex- experience a profit, your sh- your price per share rises and the government gets something out of it because they own those shares. Right. And in theory, ultimately, the taxpayer, it would come back to us. I'm not holding their breath, but what we want is for this bailout to work. Yeah. And, and technically, it could work. I mean, if you think about it, right, if the government buys up $700 billion worth, worth of uh, mortgage-backed securities or mortgages or whatever, and all of a sudden the market stabilizes because of it, and maybe over the course of a couple of years, maybe a decade, who knows, the market comes back into full swing. Uh, these things don't just disappear. They don't just vanish. The government's not going to take these these securities and throw them in a furnace. They're going right. to sit on them, basically. Sure. I think, as Bush put it, the, the the U.S. government's the only institution large enough to buy these and sit on them for a while. Right. Um, and then once the market rises, these things increase in value. When the government sells them, and, and if they sell them well and not flood the market with these things, then we should, as taxpayers, see a windfall from that. Right. I mean, if if the combined value of all these things doubled, and not all of them are worthless. There are some good mortgage-backed securities out there still, but they just have a bad name and no one wants them. Right. When they increase in value, I mean, even if they double, that's $1.4 trillion right. from, from the sale. Uh, and half of that being pure profit. That would be pretty good. It would. Whether that happens or not, it remains to be seen. Right. You know what I, I think would be uh, interesting is if all of a sudden they put out this big plan, Bush says we're the only people, institution big enough to do this, and all of a sudden like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett stroll up behind him and say, not so fast. <laughs> We've got our own plan, and they just bought up you know, $800 billion worth of, of bad investments. Well, Warren Buffett's been on a, a buying spree right now. Well, of course he it's is. Not just a, it's not just a good time to buy a house or foreclosed house. It's a good time to buy stocks yeah so again it's like fire sale out there sure. it's crazy uh but yeah apparently from what i understand from watching the the recent second presidential debate uh is that obama may tap warren buffett for treasury secretary you know i would be all for it it, it makes a lot of sense sure yeah so uh anything else in this provision maybe uh, of the golden parachute Ill? yeah that's the one thing that i know probably made a lot of people uh, feel a little bit better is the gold the famous golden parachute a lot of times when companies go under like uh, the big enron thing you remember the executives are the ones that come out on top and the investors lose all their money mm-hmm. these executives get these huge payouts at the end mm-hmm. and just kind of sneak out the back door and buy their island and you know yeah. in the in bermuda and uh, i know this calls for uh no golden parachutes. Um, these big uh, multi-million-dollar severance packages are not going to happen. No, and specifically, your top five executives, any any salary over five hundred grand can't be deducted as an expense. Right. 
Um, so that, in theory, should limit companies from doing it. There's some problems with that, though. What's that? That's just your top five executives. Right, sure. Another problem with it is that the cap, there's already a cap that exists, but it's at one million. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't deduct any salary over one million. So really, for a major company, all it's going to be is 2.5 million in lost deductions, which is nothing. Right. Plus- Second problem. The other problem, this is the biggest problem. There is no provision in the golden parachute clause of this law, the bailout bill, um, that says anything about stock options. So exactly. think about it. You let a you let an outgoing CEO go. You're like you you did a terrible job managing. But here, take all these stock options. Right. And we're going to value them at today's terrible market price. Right. Just hold off a couple of years. The market's going to come back, and you you cash in your options. And you're you're uh, just richer than an astronaut, right? That that's I'm glad you said that because I didn't even know that. But that's what I was just about to say is the way these guys operate. I had a feeling there's there's always some back door yeah. where they get theirs. Yeah, and and, and they will. Like there's be. not going to be any way of, of of going around it. The the only thing I think uh, that that we can hope for is that there should be widespread investigation and probably you know criminal. Uh, lawsuits against a lot of the people who are running the show. Yeah, I think this will be under the microscope uh, more than other uh, little quieter bills that go through. I think so. so either. I think so too. So, uh, if you want to know anything more about this, I would strongly recommend you exercise your civic duty and read "How Will the Government Spend the Seven Hundred Billion Dollar Bailout Funds?" on HowStuffWorks.com, and stick around to find out one more reason why you shouldn't wear a Bluetooth headset. But first, Chuck, a message from our sponsor. Josh, uh, what's the first reason that you shouldn't wear a Bluetooth headset? I know you don't like the way awkward fashion look. I'm just going to say it. It's my personal opinion. I know a right. lot of people like them. In well, you're hands, styled but... right out of the preppy handbook, if I may say so. I do my best, which is good. That's a good look. Uh, but... My sister used to have that when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, did you really? Yeah, I used to read it on the John. It's very cool. Yeah. It's a cool book, if I remember correctly. She also had uh, How to Speak Like a Valley Girl, I think. Mm, yeah, I, I skipped that one for sure. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Uh, so yeah, the the name of the article is uh, How Bluetooth Surveillance Works, and uh, apparently, if you wear these things, people know where you are. So, how, Chuck? Well, uh, if, if you have a Bluetooth headset and you have it turned on, mm-hmm. um, from my understanding, you can get bluejacked. Is that right? Bluejacking. Yeah, bluejacking is the term. <laughs> and uh, the, it emits a signal, and uh, people, other people with Bluetooth can actually tell where you are. So, if that's, you're, in, if you're into so privacy, amazing. yeah. Then, uh, if you're into privacy, uh, make sure you read how Bluetooth surveillance works on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you